Hi everybody, thanks for joining us for another edition of Hold My Dream, where we navigate the news and politics with a chaser of civility. I'm your host, Jen, inviting you to grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and imagine with us how to create a new American identity together. Welcome to this week's Hold My Drink. We are recording for President's Day today. And I have with me my frequent guest and co-host, W.F. Twyman Jr., who goes by Wink. I have his distant cousin, Kiernan Twyman. He is a senior in high school in Missouri. And we are they are related to George Washington. So that is going to be our conversation today. But before we get started, you know how the conversation starts. What are we drinking for this conversation? Wink, what do you have? Oh, you, oh, you know, I'm going really uh, bland this time. I've just got water, water in my blue cup. You had water last time. Yeah, you are bland. Kiernan, are what you about sure? you? Yes, I uh, am sure. <laughs> I'm actually uh, drinking some uh, sweet tea. Ooh, see, that's a very Texas thing. Is that a Missouri thing too? Um, I don't know. I know it's a thing with my family, but that's about it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I've been drinking very... tea most of my life, so. Well, now I feel we family to tea. you. Yeah, because that sweet tea is Texas. But I have, so what I did today on the myth of George Washington chopping down the cherry tree, mm -hmm. I have a cherry limeade spiked with lime vodka. Oh, very appropriate. I, I thought it was very appropriate. So very yeah, good. there we have it. So, like it. <laughs> well, speaking of George Washington, uh, Wink, I would love to hear from you first, and, and Kiernan jump in here too. You are you're both related to George Washington, and George Washington has become a bit of a polarizing figure, I'd say, in the last you know decade or so. I and mean, people have you know we grew up knowing that he was our founding father, uh, but there's been some questions. And, and Wink, just let me know what it feels for you particularly as a black American to be, I know you've retired from race, but you yeah. know, well, for today. Oh, Thomas Chatterton Williams. Yeah. <laughs> um, your, your perspective of, of George Washington, and then we'll let Kiernan jump in on with his. Well, you know, I'll tell you, uh, growing, I grew up in um, Chesterfield County, Virginia, and there was maybe two miles from my home, a uh, place called the Halfway House. And it's still there to this day. The Halfway House is like a, a tavern or a restaurant. And it's halfway between Richmond, Virginia and Petersburg, Virginia and Washington and, and Boston, Massachusetts and Atlanta, Georgia. That's right, it's precisely midpoint. And I remember as a youngster going by the uh, Halfway House and they were very proud of the fact that George Washington had stayed at the Halfway House uh, when he was president. And that's not uncommon, I gather, in America. There are many places that still have plaques to the fact that George Washington stayed here or dined here. So why is that? What, what would make a man so epic in his life that he would be remembered like that to this day in 2021, uh, centuries after he passed away? Um, I mean, to me, there would be no United States of America uh, without uh, President George Washington. Um, it is amazing to me how this um, orphan, orphaned as a teenager, uh, developed the sense of self in the character and the ambition to lift himself up 
into the founding father, the founding father of our country. You know, he was not college educated. Uh, I think his education stopped in grade school, um, but he was ambitious. Good Lord, he was ambitious. He um, managed to finagle himself into a position with Virginia militia at the age of 21. He was shot in the wilderness campaign, not once, not twice, not three times, four times, and still survived. And the, the Native American chief at the time said, you know, there's something about this man, he's unstoppable. And that, that, that Indian chief, Native American chief was so right. Um, I just think that there are few people in world history, let alone Virginia history or American history that are comparable to, uh, to Mr. Washington. Uh, obviously he won the war for independence and he was the president of the constitutional convention that created our US constitution and our first president and with no precedent to guide him, made such wise decisions in the future that guided all future presidents. Now, was did he own slaves? Yes, he did. I think he may have owned over 300. I think 300-ish, yeah. But I think what needs to be understood in the, in the discourse is that, number one, uh, he lived in colonial Tidewater, Virginia in the 1700s. Um, that was the time. Those were the conditions during that time. He inherited um, his slaves he, as a teenager when his father died. So he wasn't someone who, in a sense, um, had a choice uh, about the institution. But more importantly, um, he freed all of his slaves in his will when he died in 1799, December 14th. So here's a man who, having grown up in the Virginia Southern Society, or slavery existed, had the foresight to free his slaves 66 years before our country freed our slaves. And to me, the most lasting note in terms of looking beyond slaveholding with Mr. Washington is simply this, the people who knew him, the free blacks who knew him, he was a, um, a social, he invited Phyllis Wheatley, the most famous black person in colonial America, to uh, a reception in her honor at his Cambridge, Massachusetts headquarters. He commanded the first racially integrated fighting force, the Continental Army uh, in, this, in the American Revolution. 5,000 black soldiers fought under General Washington. And then most importantly, when he passed away, the leading black minister, the founder of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, Richard Allen uh, said, you know, this is a man that we should all remember for all time to come. And so for those reasons, I think of Washington as a continuing epic founding father. Yes, he was a product of his times, but I think in some ways he was uh, a man ahead of his time in terms of race and slavery. Just my thought, my thought. And I might quickly add, my thought is a factor of my generation. It might be the case that teenagers have a different perspective on, on Washington. Is that so, Karen? I would say one of the smartest things that I know he has said whenever he was a president is to not have political parties. And I feel like that was a very important thing. And I don't think we really follow that very well. But you can see the effects it has today of we didn't take that advice. There's a lot of civil unrest in the community and stuff like that because, you know, we have we blindly follow these uh, groups that, uh, having control of the country and they're complete opposites of each other there's no median in the middle 
of the two. There's no best of both worlds. So, you know. I love that question, but I, I want to get back to George Washington a little bit just because he is a, you know, a polarizing figure um, or he has become a polarizing figure. I don't think he was when I was growing up, you know, he was, he was very- Not important. when I was growing up. Right. But he was you know, revered. In, in, in high school now and Kiernan and you see, I know you, you know, you, you seem like you're, you know, you've got your own ideas and whatnot and maybe don't follow the crowd. But there is this question because he did own slaves of whether or not he is the founding father for everyone, right? Or is he just the founding father for white Americans? And so I think you hear particularly from the black community that, you know, they don't recognize his, because he did have slaves, even though he did let them go, they don't recognize him as a founding father that they can really look up to. And I feel like in my own opinion, where I see that is, you know, they, we were at a different time, as you already mentioned, Wink then, mm -hmm. and he did do something um, that was novel at that time of releasing his slaves. But I still think his vision of America, and even, <clears throat> even though it took a while for his vision to really come into full fruition, but his vision of America, his vision of freedom, his vision was novel in the world at that time. And for all Americans of all colors today, that is still something I think to celebrate. And while we can celebrate and look at, and I think Kiernan, you might've mentioned this. I mean, there's a middle ground. We can say, yep, slaves, that was horrible. Hate how our country started that way, but we still can honor George Washington for what he did do to bring us all to where we are today. Um, that's, that's, cool. that's my view. It's called discernment. To me, it is about discernment. I mean, you always, any historical figure, um, no one is, is, is ideal. No one is perfect. So you always have discernment to discern the great <clears throat> from the deplorable, right? And so what you do is you draw inspiration from that which is epic and heroic because that's healthy for a country. That's healthy for all Americans. And with that which is deplorable, or that which is lamentable, um, you don't forget, you remember, but you know, you, you focus on the good and not the bad. It's kind of life skills 101. Uh, I think that people simply revel in old resentments and grudges when they're not able to see beyond um, slaveholding, because I really think that slaveholding wasn't anything unique to one race, as you and I know. Mm -hmm. Blacks and whites owned slaves uh, during the period in question. Uh, and as you and I know, slavery was a worldwide phenomenon, right? I mean, probably dating back to even the Israelis or rather the um, Jewish people in Egypt. So I think that we need a little bit more discernment and a little less uh, clinging to the worst in our past. We're at our best as Americans when we remember and take inspiration from the best in George Washington, I thought. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd have to agree with that as well, because uh, I also think it's kind of uh, short-sighted to just focus on the bad of what happened. And as you said earlier, it wasn't just us that had slaves. Uh, tons and tons of other countries also had slaves, but it doesn't really make sense 
because all these other countries had slaves and they got rid of them as well. They abolished them and stuff like that. But yet they don't have any of the slavery, the, you know, the slavery problem that we still have today and people are still holding on the grudges here in America. But you never hear anything like that from other countries, really. Now, that could just be because, you know, we're in America and we just don't hear these things as much. But, you know, even other countries are hearing about our these complaints of the Black Lives Matters riots and all that stuff. And well, protests as well. Some of them were peaceful protests. And uh, it's just it's kind of crazy to me that we hold on to such a thing that happened so long ago that doesn't even really affect our lives that much anymore because to be honest, it wasn't the slavery that you know brought on these racial uh problems that we seem to have still today it was really the aftermath of it and the fact that these people didn't like try didn't like treating the old slaves as uh equals it wasn't the slavery it was the release of them and then the people were resenting that they now have to treat the people that they used to own and pay money for to keep and do their jobs for them and now they had to treat them equally as people and to be honest nowadays that doesn't really affect my life that much except for whatever it's like national news uh i have no problems of you know black people i most time i just try to just see them as a person i most time only use the word black or white or uh Asian or anything like that to use as you know something you would say to say oh they have you know red hair blonde hair it's just a description of somebody and it doesn't really change us because we're all the same we're all the same people and if I can join in with that um this may be something Kernan knows or is not aware of um if you look at Oak Lawn Oak Lawn was the um ancestral home of George Twyman III born in 1731, died in 1818. Uh, he was the moderator and first recorder of the um, Buck Mountain uh, Church uh, in Earliesville, Albemarle County, Virginia. But the point is, Oak Lawn was the home of the Twyman family for generations until the Civil War. And so when the Civil War happened, everything changed, right? I, there are stories of General Custer rummaging through the cupboards in Oak Lawn looking for food for the soldiers. Um, when the war was over and Reconstruction began, the family lost the home. Oak Lawn was lost because the family, the Twymans, couldn't pay the taxes on the property. And so it was sold off in an auction. So by the 1960s, the white Twymans, descendants who were living in Oak Lawn, they had no electricity. I don't think there was running water. Um, they shivered. I'm not sure they had cars. So I compare the existence, the condition of the white Twymans in 1960 or 65 to the black Twymans, people that I knew who were at the, you know, they had red brick homes, they had running water, they had electricity, they had probably, you know, fancy dancy cars. And so if you looked at those two sets of Twymans, one white shivering in the cold at Oak Lawn in the 1960s, and the black Twymans kind of riding high on Twyman Road in, in Virginia, uh, it makes you wonder to what degree should we still uh, talk about the lingering effects of American slavery? 
Because I'm not sure there's causation there. It seems to me, at least with the Twymans, that the scales had kind of been evened, if not a little bit more, in favor of the white Twymans by the 1960s. But Carolyn, you never hear that. People never talk about instances where in old families, the tables were turned economically. What's so cool about doing these podcasts with you, Wink, and with your distant cousins is something that Kiernan just said. You know, he looks at, he tries to look at everyone as a human and you two are meeting for the first time. Um, and we're meeting, we're different intergenerationally, we're different oh, yeah. racially, and we're just here like having a conversation with that idea that Kiernan just said. We're just all trying, humans trying to figure out our humanity and and move forward. And and I love seeing that. I love hearing that also from one of your younger cousins because this is I your know. youngest this is your youngest cousin that we've had on our podcast. <laughs> when I think about issues involving George Washington, for example, mm-hmm. I only think heroic, I think epic, I think visionary, I think ambition. I think leadership, I think destiny, I think a man with his bare hands who bent history towards the creation of a new country. I always think of it in ter- those terms. But I fear for the teenage generation, all they see is oppression, slavery, white man, white privilege white fragility, institutional. Those are different words. You know what I mean? Those Mm -hmm. are different slogans to understand the world. So I guess my question is, do the ways in which I look at Washington no longer make sense in the here and now? Well, for me, uh, I'd say they'd still make sense, especially, I guess, around here in this parts of Missouri that I've lived in, it depends on just where you live. So around here, it's more countryside. We're more, we're more old, kind of old fashioned in a way. Traditional. While in cities, they're more progressive and they think more about these things. Well, and, and, that's, and that's why I asked the question about the modern day uh, George Washington. Uh, because I think that um, one of the things that was so um, striking about that gentleman is that to a large degree, um, people recognize that uh, his leadership redounded to everyone's benefit, right? Um, There were a few people, um, particularly once he won the American Revolution, uh, who competed with him for leadership. I think he ran unopposed or was nominated Mm -hmm. by acclamation for president maybe once if not twice. They Um, wanted him to go three times as well, but he decided not to. That's right. That's right. He could have gone for very many years as president. Oh, he could have been a dictator. He could could have been a monarch. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, that was one of the things that King George III was so um, astounded by was that George Washington voluntarily gave up control. uh, Yeah. He's one of the only presidents, to be honest, that actually, instead of increasing presidential power, he actually limited it. Mm Mm-hmm. Nowadays, mm-hmm. presidents always increase presidential powers. Sure. All the governments, all the parts of the government increase their power every time. Right. They never reduce it. He, so my question, he had access to maybe having complete power, mm-hmm. yet he limited it, which is true. pretty astounding. It's true. So my question is, how do we 
find and develop young leaders who, like Washington, transcend boundaries, right? Who can see both the urban and the rural perspective and the suburban perspective. How do we do that? Because I think so often people only see whatever perspective they grow up in. So for example, if you live in a urban area, that's kind of the perspective you take on life. If you live in a rural area, that's your perspective. But how do we develop leaders who encompass all of those perspectives? What do you think? How do we do that? Because I think that's where the next George Washington resides. You know, and I agree with you. And Kiernan, I'm going to, you take us home because I'm almost done with my drink. But I think that's a fabulous question to end on. How do we do that? What are your thoughts? Coming from um, middle America, you know, where you like rural middle America, which you've already said is very, very different. How do we transcend those, those divides? Um, I'm not entirely sure of that. Uh, to be honest, I will try my best to answer this question uh, as I can, but I don't think I'm really the one that should be answering this type of question because oh. I haven't lived in the world long enough to really understand everything and get both sides. So, you know, I've been here all my life, basically, and I've not seen too much of the other side of things, the other side of the coin. But I think it just goes up to having basic human decency of being able to uh, uh, sympathize with the other people and to not focus so much on this tiny little detail in a picture. Instead of, so say you're looking at a painting and it's a painting of our country or something like that. And most of the time, people will look and they will focus on the one thing that is wrong, live the painting. Or another example that I've heard of this exact process is a math teacher is doing questions on a board and writing out answers for those questions. And he randomly picks one to do wrong. And all the students tell him, focus on the one that he did wrong out of like the 10 or so he does. But when he's finished, he tells them that you focused on, on how they only noticed the one he did wrong, but didn't notice the one, all the ones he did right. He did all of the rest of them right, except one. And I think we uh, should start looking at a broader perspective. We only look at this tiny little picture. We need to look at the big picture uh, to understand everything. So of George Washington, uh, going back to him, we're a lot of times we're too busy looking at either how great he was or too busy looking at what he had. He had slaves. He, you know, there was other things that he did. I'm a sure I'm pretty sure he did because people aren't perfect. And the thing is too often we think uh, we look up to people that are supposed to be role models and we look at them as infallible and we need to quit doing that. Uh, Cause it leads to, you know, having these problems. We look on the people uh, too easily. We don't think for ourselves. We just follow the, the horde. We just follow everyone. And you can see that in different, uh, different parts of the world. Well, different parts of the country. You can see that live people following political parties. They just blindly follow. They don't ever think about what they're doing. They just see whatever side that they are on. They just vote for those. They don't care who. 
And I think we need to kind of quit looking to things is either infallible or uh, only looking at the bad part. We need to look at all of it, be objective. And I think that's a lot of the problems we have nowadays. Yeah, Maybe you'll be the future George Washington. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm just a little, I'm just a little man from uh, uh, middle Missouri and tiny little, tiny little town. Well, you do have Washington in your blood. So That's there's that. Both of you do. Well, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you guys mm -hmm. both. So talking to me as to see the different views, like I said earlier, both intergenerationally and racially of our founding father on the on President's Day. Well, thank you, Jen, for the opportunity. And the great thing I love about this conversation is, <clears throat> at least to me, um, race was irrelevant. What was really more important was getting to know Kernan, uh, distant cousin. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hold My Drink. Like or subscribe to the show and check out the show notes for links to source material and to our website, where you can find what each of us is reading every week, different news with different views. If you have a topic that you would like us to explore, drop us a line. And join us next week as we say, hold my drink, and the conversation gets real.